Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome back to Conversations with Z and Vindesh. My God, man, we have had a crazy week. And we talked last week, we talked about the coronavirus. And at that point, I thought things were crazy. And it's like, that was nothing. We've just gone off a cliff into the abyss of insanity. I look around, the entire world has shut down. As we were just talking about, there are people who are afraid to leave their house. There are people who are screaming at you because you're taking an airplane and you're putting the whole world at risk. There are people who won't let their elderly parents out of the house because they might drop dead. And I understand social distancing. Ultimately, if you have no contact with anyone, yes, you can stop the virus. But what is the cost of that? You think about the cost, the economy is tanking. It's plummeting. It's never fallen this quickly. The stock market is tanking. You think about the anxiety that we're inducing into an already fragile population. It's unbelievable to me. Uh, and I think you have maybe more or a better perspective than I do. This has really been a shock because I've seen this thing over and over in the financial markets. Financial markets operate on ideas. And if the collective idea is that prices are going to go up, they shoot up. If the collective idea is that there's going to be a panic, there's a panic. It's a self-fulfilling process. But I've never seen it manifest this quickly in real life. And just the scale with which we've turned our world upside down has come as a shock to me. So we thought we would continue this conversation because it's such fertile ground and it illustrates so many of the points that we've talked about it really over the past few years. And maybe to kick off, one thing to remember is how we got here. And yes, we got here, the immediate cause might have been that someone ate a bat in Wuhan there was a live animal market, and that led to some transmission. But the other way to think about it is almost like an avalanche. Or if you think about building up a pile of sand, eventually that pile of sand is going to collapse. And you get to a certain set of conditions where there's a fundamental instability. So at that point, it doesn't matter whether it's the 5 millionth grain of sand or the 5 million first grain of sand it doesn't really matter what the exact cause is. You know the conditions are there. So the disaster is guaranteed. Collapse is guaranteed. That's another thing that we see again and again in the financial markets. But now we're seeing it in real life. We have gotten to a point, conditions have been building for a long time, in terms of our health, in terms of our mindset, in terms of hurting behavior, that have almost guaranteed this type of outcome. So as we're going through this crisis right now, whether it's a self-inflicted crisis or not, it is a crisis with real cost. I think it's useful to step back and really understand how we got here so that we don't make the same mistakes again. and Maybe we can do better the next time around. Z, help us understand what are the conditions that we've put in place over the years and decades that have gotten us to this point? So then what... I, I frame this whole conversation we're having right now as pathology of a pandemic. And when you think about path, the study of how, we can also say omens of, there were, there were always omens of this, especially for the last uh, two decades or so. And there's a lot of pieces that made this moment happen. I start with bigger chunks, the general way that we have normalized not only the unhealthy physical state of people, but the unhealthy mental state. So let's take note of that, the unhealthy mental state. So we have normalized all sorts of behavioral dysfunctions. We've labeled them, titled them, and packaged them in pretty wrappings that it's not uncommon to go to a social gathering and people discuss their behavioral 
issues with the title and label. I'm this, I'm that. I went to my doctor and they told me I was this or I was that. And I'm taking medications for this or for that. <clears throat> well, here's a few problems. For one, the medications you take have a natural effect of usually undermining the immune system biologically. The mental health issue you're suffering is only being uh, masked and made tolerable by the labeling and the medication. So let's just take the mental health part of it. So you're mentally unhealthy anyway, and then you hear that the sky is falling. And you have a critical mass, too. You have a large number of people that have now normalized mental dysfunctions, behavioral dysfunctions, dysfunctions of their ability to critical think. And you tell them, the sky is falling. So you don't have one chicken little anymore. You have maybe one in two, one in three people are chicken little. They're going to work every day, doing normal commerce, but it's chicken little. And now they all have heard from the other chicken little the sky is falling. What do you think is going to happen next? And for the people who aren't chicken littles, there's no voice. Their voices aren't that loud. So measured, critical thinkers, people considering and crunching the numbers, population density, versus demographic versus mortality rates. Those people, you don't hear their voices. You can't because Chicken Little is so loud and the frequency of Chicken Little's voice is so high it drowns out critical thinking, steady consciousness, intelligent assessment. So people are raging at one another attacking one another, and nothing has happened. The sky is still there. They don't know anybody that the sky has fell on. They don't even know what happens if the sky falls on you. How heavy is it? Will I be crushed? But they're acting it out in the worst possible case because there's a complete loss of anything that vaguely looks like intelligent thought. So the voices and the support of the chicken little mentality has been going on for many years. We have normalized illnesses on all levels. We have tried to medicate and mask our way through life. Remember in the beginning of this whole thing, we start hearing about people who were taking medications that hid fever, hid sinuses. But they didn't change the disease vector in them. There are people who have gotten over the flu, like they do every year, since as long as man has been around on this planet. Seasonal illnesses come and go. It leaves in its wake uh, casualties, some fatalities, but mostly it leaves to be in its way people with stronger immune systems. So what used to just be a sniffle, a little cough for a couple of days a week, a fever in the child that will pass in seven to ten days, is now in response to that is mob violence, mob chaos. So it's important for us who are thinking to know that like our favorite horror movie, you must protect yourself from the zombie horde, the horde of ignorance. And it's maybe right in your own home. It might be right in your own home. And that's the scariest part. The pathology of this pandemic is that we were setting ourselves up for it a long time ago. A long time ago. When right became wrong, up became down. My God, we're in an era now where you have people call influencers. See, this is part of the sickness. I'll tie it in. The fact that we bought that, we'll buy anything. The fact that you can make money not because you've offered something to humanity, 
that you've uplifted the condition of humanity, that you've offered service, something to humanity, just simply because your deeds are being uh, observed and that observation of your deed, deed is passed around like another kind of virus. The influencers were killing themselves to get more hits or whatever it is. And as late, they're licking toilet seats. And they're getting sponsorships and wealthy for doing that. When scientists, intelligent thinkers, we don't even know who they are. We're not even listening to pandemic experts who have given their whole uh, career life to the study of the human condition. We don't hear them anymore. We won't even listen to them. But we will listen to the influencer. So see, we were headed this way anyway. So now, brother and sister, sister and sister, husband and wife, are terrified of each other's behavior for no reason other than they heard the sky was falling. Yeah, I mean, that's really the incredible thing to me, which is... There's no evidence that this is a crisis. You got Italy, and granted, Italy had problems because they've got an older population. They have a lot of people who smoke. They have, from what I understand, they're short supplied in certain areas, and in certain areas this was overwhelming. But you've also got examples like South Korea where this hasn't been such a big deal. And if you look at what's happening right now in the U.S., and you look at the numbers that we have, something like 120 deaths, upwards of 5,000 infections. Let's say that that number is off by a factor of 10. Let's say there are a bunch of people who are running around, haven't gotten tested. Let's even say it's 100,000 people. It's a population of 300 million. Plus. What are you worried about? We've locked down the entire country. People aren't moving around. There's limited interaction. Why are we assuming that we're going to go outside and fucking drop dead? That makes absolutely no sense to me. Now, I think the tricky part of this, you brought up some interesting ideas, so I just want to flesh these out and make sure people understand. The two things that have been building for a long time, one is the mental disease, which is just this propensity towards her behavior pick up on the meme of the day, don't think independently, don't analyze or question the data. We get numbers thrown around without context. Mm -hmm. So I'm not even saying you have to throw out the numbers, but just ask what they represent. China was reporting a death rate of roughly 3%. But guess what? They're testing old people who are showing symptoms who are probably going to die. So what's the real number? Is that representative of what we should be concerned about? That's number one, this... We've lost this ability to think critically. We tend to go along in herds. And the other aspect of this, which you mentioned, is our physical health. So you think about the level of anxiety more generally in society anyway. I mean, the constant spinning. You've used this term rat wheeling, which I love, mm -hmm. which is just going on in circles with no productive action coming out of it. And that destroys our immune system. So we don't have the right immunity. We're on different medications, which interrupt the natural functioning of our bodies we're not exercising, posture is terrible, there are narratives that we have to get ahead, so we're always beating ourselves up. I mean, all of this, it, it just leads to a very vulnerable condition in the general population, which is part of the reason why this becomes more of a threat than right. it otherwise would have been. So question one is, what is the real magnitude of the threat? Are we amplifying it beyond what it is? Number two is, the reason that it's even any threat is that we're in such poor health uh, that we can't deal with this like we used to be able to. Right. And, and so the whole thing just feels like it's spiraling out of control. And I, I said it before, I'm, uh, I'm just baffled. I'm, I'm shocked when I see what is going on. So maybe we look at this from a slightly different standpoint. What is the right way to think about this? Because in some ways, this is the oldest scam in the book, and you and I were talking about this. We've got people running around saying, yeah, there's not a threat now. The numbers are small now, but you have to act now. And if you don't act now, it's going to be a disaster. We take that on faith. 
it's impossible to prove them wrong. How the hell do you say that? It's like a sales pitch. Yeah, it's a sales pitch. And if everything turns out okay, they say, hey, you can applaud for us because we saved your ass. It's like me going around and saying to Caitlin, Caitlin, you got to fillet me every day, otherwise you're going to drop dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she does that, and a month later I say, see, see, you're in perfect health. You can thank me. Guess what? You can get down on your knees and do it again. Yeah, that's, that's... So it, we're buying into something where it, there's a term in science, which is falsifiability. We, we can't even disprove <laughs> what this is. Now, the question is, what do we do about it? How do we, as thinking people, get around that? I mean, do we just reject it and say it's a scam? How do we sift through this? Again, Vin, I'm biased. So when you say stuff like that, I've always tried to be discriminatory about the company I keep anyway. Hmm. I've never craved the approval of, of, of the faithless committee or random groups of people. So uh, take what I say in that note of bias. I believe this is an opportunity for thinking people to reassure themselves that they're on the right track. Um, there's no reason to thrust yourself into more of this madness. Let this be a time to reset, to regroup, to rethink your behavior, our behavior. The volatile consumerism, the constant need to go, 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 more, more, more. The denial of the self and the uplifting of being graded or compared to others by the faceless committee. Guard your health and your well-being. First, guard your mental health. For those people who are thinking a little bit, step back and what are you being sold What are we being sold? Because we know when you're in fear, humans tend to consume. People ran out the minute they were fearful, they bought toilet paper. I don't know how much calories toilet paper offers in a crisis, but probably not much. Then they went out and bought hand sanitizers. And they were running in stores hoarding things. So this is a time in our life where for the thinking person, they can take a pause and reassure themselves that they're on the right track. So the healthiest thing to do is guard your own mind. Know you're being sold something, but it's not new. It's not all of a sudden a grand conspiracy. The conspiracy that we bought into this long time ago, um, the people that are dying, of whatever they're dying from, whenever they are dying, if it is not a, an event of fate, you get hit by a car, you get airplane crashes, acts of war. All over the world we see these population groups, uh, dense population masses, uh, increased commerce. In China, the, the, the air pollution is so bad, it's not sustainable anyway the constant purchasing and buying an economy based on more and more and more, uh, it's against nature. It violates all rules of nature. We can't keep doing more and more and more. And when you talk to people and they're, they're in the endless pursuit of the endless pursuit, how do you back away and say, you know, I have enough. I don't need to really go and get more. Maybe most of my work is to maintain the quality of life that I have, which I'm very content with. You just don't hear that a lot. We need to hear more of that. And because that is sustainable. What is not sustainable is the constantly increasing your ability to keep pace with the idea of, of more-ism. I would say strive for less. Look for moderation in your life. Work on that. Work on that steady fluid equanimity of coming and going. Uh, They say hunker down in place. Shouldn't we do that anyway? Shouldn't we end our day at a reasonable time, spend quality time with our people that we're closest to, then engage the world's necessary? Do we always have to do more? What if you're maintaining? Like a great athlete trains to a high level of ability 
and then all the work they do then is to maintain their ability. And then from there, they start working on strategies in order to find unique ways of deploying their skill and effort, but not more, more, more. That means that they're breaking down. So finding the right homeostasis, the right ebb and flow, the right back and forth, and then maintaining that with skill. That's how we can get through this. Because this isn't the end. This is the beginning of a new normal. We have been living in a way that is not sustainable. We have been creating narratives that are not sustainable. There is no one coming to your rescue but you. So make sure that you are able to rescue yourself. So Z, we're talking about some of these underlying conditions that are leading to pandemics. We talked about the physical decline of people, mm -hmm. the anxiety, the lack of exercise, and so forth. And we've also talked, maybe it's even more important, about the mental issues and our tendency to herd and follow experts and follow memes. So if we step back from that and say, what is the right way to approach areas where there's a lot of uncertainty? If we want to be objective, if we want to be independent thinkers, but recognizing we don't have all the answers. We're not epidemiologists. In any arena of life, we are relying on other opinions. We are replying, excuse me, relying on established science. And if we turn on the TV, we've got people who've got a lot of credentials, a lot of credibility. Now we can debate what that means, but they're credentialed, they're respected. They're coming out and they're telling us, you have to be concerned. Yes, the numbers are very small right now. But if you don't take action now, you could have 100 million infections. You could have millions of deaths. The entire hospital system could be overrun. How do we make sense of that? I mean, how do we judge whether that's real or that's not real or that's somewhat real? How do you think about that? Well, I would look at it more forensically. Um, you mentioned that there were these uh, experts uh, who were credible. And I don't know who gave them their credit. Did you give them credit? I don't know. We do know that the media is driven by fear. Consumerism is driven by fear. Humans are bound to certain phenomena of nature. That when we are fearful, we hoard. And... Higher intelligence takes a back seat to survival algorithms, which is hoard, um, look for threat. The media has tapped into that in its intelligence and know that fearful people, if you talk about scarcity, people will buy. There was the statistic that showed that every time Obama spoke, people who hated Obama would buy guns. Now it's showed that as soon as they mentioned the, the Wuhan virus or the coronavirus. People go and buy guns. What part of a virus is cured by a gun? So they're not buying the gun because it will cure the virus, which is supposedly the problem. It is simply a reaction to fear. So if we know we're reacting to fear, can we create tools to wash away our fear? How do you do that? You look at a series of events that have gone on in your lifetime that were fear-based and how people reacted or responded to that fear and add some sort of check, regulator, or safeguard into your own thinking that says, okay, this is fear. And this is what being prudent and wise is. There's a big difference between being prudent and wise. Taking evidence, assessing information and fact based on evidence, as opposed to rumor, anxiety, and various types of phantoms of fear. Once you 
separate those, then you make your decision. Hmm. And if you see the decision, the good decision making, they're not radical ideas. You know, I have young children again, and there are these things called bounce houses that they put up every now and then. So you rent this thing called a bounce house. You fill it with air and a bunch of kids jump in this rubber thing and they bounce around. The company comes, takes it down and ships it away and takes it to the next kid. Well, there's a lot of sicknesses from bounce houses. They're filthy. They're dirty. Um, they collect their petri dish of, dish of every known communicable disease. You know what? I, my kids don't play with bounce houses. Yeah, it's like Chuggy Cheese. It's, you jump that, in that ball Kids walk by and they see the local fast food place and there's these bounce houses. So there's a few problems with that. It's fast food, not fit for human consumption. The people that go there probably are not that mindful for their health or hygiene. And there's a bounce house in there. So the chance of your kids getting the snotty stickies is very high. So we don't go there. We find other activities, an open park, running around, jogging at the local park or something like that. And the kids have just as much fun. So these are not radical ideas of critical thinking. These are not radical ideas of uh, measured reason and modest logic. Think about it. If you're sick, stay home. Is that a radical idea? The population is very dense, um, and, and you see that is there a reason to go to a Black Friday sale and wait in line with many other anxious people who are often highly medicated, masking numerous pathogen, pathogens and communicable diseases, waiting to buy another 84-inch uh, flat-screen TV because it's cheap? Do you need it? Do you have a place for it? Is your other telly working? Just check yourself, and you'd be surprised at how much time you free up not being mixed up in this kind of cesspool of madness. So this is an opportunity to reset and redress ourselves. There are people who are constantly listening to the news feed, and they trust it without question. I would say, should you trust anything without question? Is that intelligent? Well, no, intelligence is the opposite of that. Intelligence is the ability to discern and discriminate. So if you're taking anything you hear at face value, you're no longer using intelligence. You're actually immersing yourself into ignorance. So go back to really simple things, right? This is a time of self-reflection. Your world, your society, built in this foundation of sand is crumbling. But what can arise is a world built in the foundation of reasoned logic, holistic living, and intelligence. It's really that simple. Well, is it that simple? I'm going to push on this a little bit because there's a difference between what we can do individually and what society as a whole does. So I totally agree with what you're saying. We have to make our own decisions. We should look at facts. We should do some basic forensics. When I look at everything that's going on, we talked about some of the numbers. To me, the threat doesn't add up. I also just look at the nature of the response to this. It's clear that people who are in positions of power are looking at what other people are doing, and they're copycatting. So San Francisco shuts down, then L.A. shuts down. Then New York does the same thing. Now San Francisco is taking more drastic measures. You can't even get takeout. Guess what? L.A. is probably going to do the same thing. The NBA folded. All the other sports uh, leagues decided to cancel their seasons. Same thing happened with the schools. So there's no real reflection going on, and you can see this in the decision-making. So you put all that together, and yes, it does look like we're manufacturing a crisis. And it becomes a crisis, but it becomes a crisis of our own making. Now, if we take that as a backdrop, and we say, okay, I can't control everything that's going to happen. I can control myself. 
I can step out of the petri dish of humanity, stay away from the bouncy castles, the ball pits, the dumpsters behind the fast food restaurants. I don't need to be at every Black Friday sale. I don't need to be at concerts. Part of it is for health. Part of it, frankly, is for safety. I don't want to be at a target of a mass shooting, so I'm going to avoid <laughs> big gatherings, whatever the hell it is. So you can make your own decisions to an extent, but what do you do about this problem? I mean, even if you and I and other people, say Caitlin joins in and says, we don't want to live this way, we don't want to buy into this, we're going to take basic precautions, we'll wash our hands, we're going to temper the fear, we're going to realistically assess the threat, if the information changes, we'll change. We're open-minded. We're not dogmatic. Even if we have that point of view, we're in a society which is forcing us to modify our behavior, which is taking away our civil liberties because they're declaring a state of emergency, which is shutting down our fucking economy. So people are going to be out of jobs. So you've got a small business. I'm sure this is affecting you. I mean, people adapt, but it's tough. We can't rely on the government to bail us out. The government loves to come in and say, oh, don't worry. We've got a stimulus package. We're going to hand out money to everyone. We're going to give loans. But that's a Band-Aid. And you're always chasing a problem that you can never get ahead of. Right. All these solutions are partial. The damage, as you mentioned, is going to take a while to pan out. Right. You've seen this from your standpoint. You're not in finance, but you know enough to know that it's going to play out over a while. Right. I've seen this. I mean, the economists that we talk to make the exact same point. So whether you look at it uh, from the layperson's perspective, whether you look at it from the, econo uh, the economist's perspective, uh, the view is the same, that we're creating a big problem in reaction to this virus, and it's going to cause a lot of damage. So what do we do about that? I mean, it's fine if we as individuals say we want to step back, we don't want to participate. we still got to deal with the fallout. I mean, how do we function in this society? Or are we supposed to step out and create our own community? Where do we draw that balance and how much can we really affect? Yeah. I like the term you use, fallout. You know, you think of fallout as after a nuclear blast, mm -hmm. there's a fallout. There is uh, the, the effects of the nuclear uh, winter. Uh, the nuclear ash is going everywhere. People who had nothing to do with the conflict are being affected by it. But what we do have going is knowledge of the trends, knowledge of the currents and the atmosphere, the social atmosphere of behavior, and it's very predictable. So in this time, it is a time to conserve your energy and your personal assets and resources to avoid the noise and avoid the herds because those are guaranteed destructive entities. We do have to have various types of social intercourse. But we limit that and we manage and we go in mindful where we weren't mindful before. The panic, the chaos, the worst of human nature that's coming out. It is a time to remove ourselves as much as possible. I'm not saying you can do it all the way, but as much as possible. It's okay if the kids aren't going to school right now, especially if you have younger children. Um, there are things you can do at home. Uh, there, there are all those sorts of things. They're not going to lose a lot of uh, uh, social points. The myth of socializing your kids because you throw them in public schools or put them in large groups, that doesn't really, there's no proof that that benefits your kids or hurts them to one great extent. Um, there's time to work out stuff uh, at home with the people you're closest and intimate with, work on issues you may have there. So you can turn this into an opportunity. Um, yes, limiting your reliance upon the outside forces in your life. Those people, there are people out of work, they're gonna be out of work for a while um, there may or may not be relief coming, so figure out what you're going to do now and not wait. Find yourself, too, in a position, if you've trusted politicians, if you have given yourself to political dogma and parties, take a moment to accept that and, and say to yourself a simple thing. I have given myself away 
to sociopaths that I am fond of. That has made me somewhat sociopathic. So I'm going to take back myself and turn down the volume on my own sociopathy by assessing my attachment to politicians as my savior. Nobody is coming for you, as I said earlier. There is nobody responding to your SOS. <laughs> Shelter in place, and then from there, assess your resources and take care of yourself and your loved ones from day to day and prepare for a long, cold winter. People have survived the cold winter, and there are people who have perished because they did not have a working strategy. Work on that strategy. This is just the beginning. If the rumor of, of, of a disease can shut down nations, what will a real crisis do? Yeah, we talked about that last time. Yeah. People are completely unprepared. I mean, that, that's why I think your point of using this time as an opportunity is critical. In a sense, it's a dress rehearsal, it's a time for reflection. It's a time to say, can I take care of myself? Am I prepared mm -hmm. to weather basic disruptions in my life? Am and then, sorry for interrupting, but I want to, just an asset assessment. <clears throat> One of your greatest assets is being knowledgeable and skillful in, in, in navigating life. Another one of your greatest assets are family and friends. You mentioned that someone was very upset with you for coming to California. How would you feel if there was no transportation, no communication, your mom and dad were here alone? How much peace of mind would that give you? Is that a rhetorical question? I'm asking you, how much peace of mind would that give you? That would be terrible. How about you and your family separated and you not having contact with them because you trusted the infrastructure of the cell phone company and those employees during time of emergency? So the best place you could be is with people that have your best interests at heart and you have theirs at heart. That's part of sheltering in place. And each person look at the skills they bring to the table and resources and first look after yourself. Yeah. Look after your loved ones, your friends, your family. That's all you're going to have. The, there is no government coming to get you. Well, th that point I think is so critical because we tend to assume, and I don't know if we do anymore. I mean, maybe the trust in government is dissipating given that it just gets crazier every year. But I do feel like there is a segment of the population that looks at the government and says, yeah, it's fucked up but they're trying to do what's best for us. They're trying to stay in power. Everything they're trying to do is to strengthen their grip on whatever power they have. And again, you can see it in the decision-making. You look at someone like Trump. Trump initially came out, he downplayed this crisis. Suddenly, two days later, he changes his mind. And now it's a pandemic, and now we have to shut down the country. Why is he doing that? Because he's calculating. Then he's saying, it's better for me if I support this, maybe I'll benefit from the fear. Maybe there are too many people in my base who believe this, and I don't want to piss them off. You see it in the UK. The UK is the one country which has said, we're not going to engage in this. We're not going to ban people getting together. We're not going to completely disrupt day-to-day -day life. And now they're facing a tremendous amount of pressure. I think they'll end up caving, because as a politician, what benefit is it to you? I mean, frankly, to anyone, even if you really do want to lead, you can't mm -hmm. because you're not the final decision maker. You're accountable to, when you're accountable to a mob mentality, you don't have the ability sure. to, to speak rationally. So even if you want to do the right thing, you end up capitulating and you end up doing things that protect yourself. So to that point, everything becomes spin, it becomes narrative, and there is no one riding in on the white horse to come and save you. Yeah. And so, you're right. This is a time for reflection to say, am I living in a way that's sustainable? 
do I have enough of a reserve so that I can weather the storm? Do I have some food, some basic things in place so I can take care of myself? Sure, sure. And as you say that, Vin, I think of something that's really easy for all of us to do who are attached to uh, political leadership and, and you've kind of connected with that, which I, I have not at all. But for those of you who are really connected to that, here's something you can learn from your politicians. Look after yourself and yourself only. Look after your own best interests. Get what you can. Protect yours. That's what they're teaching you. Follow their lead. Everything they do is in their individual best interest. How about you try that yourself through this crisis or this uh, kind of phantom epidemic? Learn. How do I take care of myself? When they have jumped ship, when they are rowing away from the Titanic and their lifeboat, what will you learn from that? Get a boat, get an oar, and get the hell out of there. That's what you can learn. So right now, you don't have to hoard food or do any of that, but really do an assessment of your ability to sustain yourself like the politicians do, and do the same. Stay healthy, stay well, keep yourself uh, in a holistic state of intelligence gathering, um, check in with your loved ones, friends, do an asset assessment. What do you have? What might you need? Is your tank filled with gas? Is the water flowing? Um, because this is simply a preview of what's to come. Yeah, yeah, dress reversal. It, maybe that's the best, the, the greatest benefit that we get from this. That's right. It changes our mindset. Yeah. I've already had discussions with my wife about this, about our lifestyle, and the term that you often use, sustainability. We live in a very expensive city. We've got a high expense base. The amount of money that we make is tied very much to the financial markets. Job security, value of, of stocks that we hold. And that's extremely precarious. We've seen values drop 30, 40% in a matter of weeks. If that's the foundation upon which our life is built, it's a recipe for eventual collapse, number one. And two, even between now and that point, it creates anxiety. Tremendous anxiety. And I, I've known that. I mean, I've had these discussions. It's just become a lot clearer in my mind in the last few weeks. If you know that you're building on something that's fundamentally unstable, you're always going to worry that it's going to collapse. So I think for me, one of the big lessons out of this is to just reevaluate and to say, can we do with less? Yeah. And because hard assets, hard things that you could trade and barter, skill, knowledge, understanding. Um, and just, again, it goes back to our opt-out campaign. Mm -hmm. For the average person walking down the street and they hear that the stock market went down three, 4,000 points, that doesn't affect their immediate life. They're disconnected to that. They have other issues, just daily bread and butter issues they're dealing with. That's how the vast majority of people live, and they make their decisions from the ground up, from the ground up, not from speculation sideways, but from the ground up. Hmm. So in a time of true crises, when the phantoms of society, when light is shed on them and they no longer exist, the politicians have abandoned you. The systems put in place were not sustainable anyway. In a real epidemic, or pandemic, the hospitals would collapse. Hmm. The billing systems would stifle them. So that system wasn't sustainable anyway. So how about we look for sustainable paths in our life? Do things that you can look after yourself. Does everyone have their first aid card? What can you do at home? Do you really know how to read the texture of illnesses in your home and fam, which you should know anyway. It's actually for us to look for a simpler life, actually a simpler way of life, mm -hmm. where we're more in tune and more connected to the events of the moment, not what's coming or what was, not the uh, city of anxiety, 
with that small town, this is where I live mentality. How do we protect that? How do we nurture that? We protect it by nurturing it. And that's it. That's, that's, so that's, to me, the good lesson of the day. We're taking advantage of this time to gear up our, <clears throat> our media products, right? Our online offers. Why? Because in, 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 in large cities, you're, you're spending three and four hours of your day in cars. So just to have to drive two hours to get to the wellness center for an hour and two hours back, it's not sustainable. So we're trying to do use technology in a way that promotes sustainability and nurturing. But there's so many other ways in life that people can do that. And this event has forced us to address. A city is shut down. Cities all over the world. International commerce has come to virtual halt. And the statistics don't pan out. That's how fragile this thing is. But you know what? You're only bound to it by commitment of soul. Because you believe in it. Now it's trying to believe in something else. Believe in yourself. Yeah, yeah, I think at the individual level, that's absolutely right. And you step back and you think about sustainability. At the societal level, it's the exact same problem. We can end where we started, which is if you look at the structure we put in place, we put in place a collective mindset that's addicted to social media, that has lost the ability to think independently, that is anxious to begin with, so prone to further bouts of anxiety. And we're dealing with a population that has poor health, that doesn't want to accept death after a certain point in time. People are old, they die. We don't want to accept that. We want to extend life. People are sick because they don't take care of themselves. They die. We don't want to accept that either. And we just end up kicking the can perpetually down the road. And I feel like we lurch from crisis to crisis. So you look at what we've done, the lengths we've gone through to respond to something that isn't even a real threat, but let's say that it is. I mean, let's accept the speculation about the number of people who are going to die from this thing. A lot of them are old. A lot of them have compromised health. How does it work for us as a society to say we're going to bail you out? every time you make poor choices at the individual level. Well, we're going to do it by shutting everything down. Okay, how are we going to help all the people who are out of work? We have friends who just opened new restaurants in New York. And this friend of mine had to lay off 96 people two months after he opened because everything is shut down. Who's going to compensate him? How are we going to fix that? Oh, well, let's borrow more money, more debt. Okay, that creates another set of problems. That's not sustainable. The problems get bigger, the swings get bigger, the collapses get bigger, and we're just in this, this dynamic where we're going from crisis to crisis to crisis. It doesn't feel harmonious. It feels very erratic. I think the, the word I like is desultory. It's very fitful. Sure. You know, it's not purposeful. It's not that we're moving forward with purpose and integrity. We're always in reaction mode. And that reaction leads to a crisis, which leads to further reaction. Mm -hmm. And so, as you speak of that, for those people who are able to take a deep breath, assess where you are, where we've been on this journey. Have you been on the journey of enlightenment or towards self-realization? Or have you been on a clown car? For a lot of people, they've been on the clown car. They're living in echo chambers of social media. Nothing is, none of these things are benefiting your well-being. You've been living an unsustainable life. It costs too much energy in for what you get out. So now is a day of reckoning. This is the day of reckoning. You have time. The city shut down. Your job is not happening, we can only speculate what tomorrow will bring. But for right now, you have a break. Your belly is full, you got head, a roof over your head, the lights are working, the water's falling. Come up with a plan 
that doesn't involve the echo chamber of social media, that doesn't rely upon politicians of your liking or disliking. Nurture your relationships. Live off the land. That's what it means, live off the land. As I say, be a good guerrilla fighter and learn to live off the land. Check in with people uh, who can support you and you can support in a sustainable fashion. And let's roll the dice. Yeah, I'm just going to close with one thought. I've been hearing a phrase quite a bit recently. Don't let a good crisis go to waste. And typically people are talking about politicians, policymakers who've got some agenda that they want to force through. Mm -hmm. And they can whip up fear and use that as the impetus to do what they want. But as we're talking, we can really use that as a mantra for ourselves. Use this crisis as a rehearsal, as an opportunity for reflection, and a way to move to a simpler, more sustainable life where we're not just going from crisis to crisis. Mm -hmm. We're not crushed by anxiety. Mm -hmm. We've got a certain amount of harmony, mm -hmm. a certain amount of conviction that we can survive. And that puts us in a much stronger place. That's right. That's right. So get out there. Do some self-assessment. Don't believe the hype. Don't trust anyone more than you trust yourself. Take all opinions as opinions. Filter through. Use your own intelligence. Do, your, do the algebra of self-sustainability. And let's get on with the life. Sun's going to come up tomorrow anyway. Yeah, we're not that interested. Not that interesting. <laughs> Thanks, man. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Every five-star review allows us to share more unique and insightful content. Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. Thanks for listening, and please tune in again next week. Peace.